Hello, my name is Gemma. And I'm Phoebe. And this is Money Can't Buy You Class. And today we have an extremely special episode for you. Uh, before we get into it, though, uh, Money Can't Buy You Class is a podcast on the intersection between critical theory and reality television. Um, yeah, and today we, we have a really special episode, as some of you may know. Um, we, we talk a lot about Vanderpump Rules. Yes, and, um, this episode is also special because Phoebe is in Los Angeles, so we are coming to you sitting next to each other for the first time, and we are sitting here next to each other, and we're gonna recap a crazy weekend, including, drumroll, a magical Saturday night evening at None other than Sir Sexy Unique Restaurant on Santa Monica Boulevard. Yeah, it was crazy. For people who, because I think that some of the some of you guys don't don't watch the show, but Vanderpump Rules um, is kind of a show. Well, it it is a show started by um, ex Real Housewife of Beverly Hills, Lisa Vanderpump. Yes. But she is a restaurateur and um, and grifter extraordinaire. <laughs> um, and she she has like thirty or so restaurants like across like internationally. Um, and and one of them is called Sir and it's in West Hollywood. Um, and it's kind of and the people who work for her at Sir are the characters, the charades, the personalities, the whatever of Vanderpump rules. Um, they're the ones that Vanderpump rules over, and they're the ones that follow Vanderpump's rules. So Gemma and I uh, decided that we were going to go to West Hollywood during Pride Month uh, with all the straight gays, and we were going to we were gonna uh, bar hop from Vanderpump restaurant to Vanderpump restaurant. So. Today, we're kind of leaving the theory books aside. And we're just going old-fashioned experiential storytelling, people. We're, we're storytelling. It's also Gemma's birthday. It was my birthday on Thursday, so this was a, this was a trip to, in part, celebrate that. But also, my birthday is very Vanderpump Rules informed, as Ariana Maddox and Stassi Schroeder both have the same birthday as me. And several have birthdays days around me, which makes them all, you guessed it, cancers uh which is how you make a reality tv show is you get a bunch of cancers in a room that's what we've been realizing that that astrologically i guess this astrology comes into like popular the like popular forays of pseudoscience adorno did warn us of this adorno did warn of um of like the mass media intent of astrology he mm. compares it to fascism um, 
you know, he was like, if people are just blindly following the pseudo rules of pop astrology, and he definitely makes a distinction between pop astrology and like the seriousness of following the stars. But I mean, today's episode is not that. Um, today's episode, I guess. I, mean, I guess we should start from the beginning. Yeah. So, right, as Phoebe was saying, Vanderpump Rules is a show started by Lisa Vanderpump about the, her restaurant workers at this restaurant called Sir. And it started because Lisa was the star of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. With Kyle Richards. With Kyle Richards. And basically there was a drama involving this young woman who worked for Lisa and one of the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, Brandy Glanville. And the drama was that Sheena, who was an employee of Sir Restaurant, had slept with Brandy's ex-husband and had been was cheating when Brandy was married to him. So this was perfect fodder for a drama that actually was able to bridge a connection to create a new show based on the torrid lives of these restaurant workers and also boost Lisa as both the star of this new show and the new producer of this other show, Vanderpump Rules. So it is important that it is the spawn of Real Housewives because it does inform the kind of Bravo uh, gaze, but it also kind of set a new standard for Bravo shows. And now there's shows like Below Deck and there's all these, so these other shows that are about basically people who are working on a boat or in restaurants. And then that's the source of the reality show is the workplace drama. They're like these pseudo working class dramas that are like a little bit more hip than The Office. (laughs) You know what I mean? Well, they're more fun. Well, they're more fun, but I mean, The Office, some people are like obsessed with The Office, but you know, The Office appeals to people because it's like the fantasy of the workplace. You know what I mean? Right. And I think that Vanderpump Rules and Below Deck, those shows also function as fantasies of the workplace, but it's in the form of reality television. And if you haven't listened to our episode with um, the inimitable Becca Teich, you should. Um, It's about Vanderpump Rules and it's called The Gayest Show on Earth. And we get into some real, real good, good shit on that. Becca is a fan extraordinaire. So this episode, we're going to kind of, we're going to, we keep saying we're going to do, we're talking about it right now. So we made a reservation for 8.15 p.m. at Sir. Yes. And, okay, and then Gemma can take it from here. So we, uh, you know, got in our little car, drove over to West Hollywood. We took Sunset, which was very nice. and We dressed up. Magical. We dressed kind of basic, and we went there early so we could try to get a drink at Tom Tom. And we drove past Tom Tom, and it was literally packed. And if you watch the show, you know that it's Pride Month, and on the show during Pride Month, it's like everything's insane, and there's like lots of filming going on. It's actually when a lot of the show goes down, because they film during the summers. So Tom Tom was packed. There was a huge line. We were like, we're not doing that. So we decided to go to Pump for a pre-Sir drink. Which, okay, and Pump... I'll just interject here. Pump is supposed to be the gay bar. It's supposed to be, the, it's like pump. And everyone's like sexy man wearing like a button down pink shirt. Yeah. And it's like supposed, like le- like on the show it's set up as it's like, it's a, it's a space for like queer men, like specifically queer men to co-make. And I guess what I did, because I'm not from, I don't live in LA. So what I didn't realize is that pump is right around the corner from the Abbey. Yes. Which Gemma was telling, it's like a historically gay 
bar in Los Angeles. So what I guess we didn't realize is that it's legit right around the corner. So I think that there's a lot of competition. Well, Anderson was Hollywood. Well, Anderson was Hollywood, but it's like, it's legitimately, it goes pump, then the Abbey. I don't think there's that much competition, to be honest, though. No, but it's like she wanted, she she wanted to have a gay bar with music and an outdoor bar, and she wanted it to be a haven for, like, gay men to come. And the only reason I say this is because Gemma and I, we parked, we parked our beautiful car, (laughs) our Rolls Royce, that we've been driving around L.A. Um, By Rolls Royce, she means my mom's Ford Focus with the Coexist bumper sticker. I do love that Coexist bumper sticker. We must coexist. But we walk, so, so, okay, I'm just going to describe it like this. So we walk, we get out of the car. We walk through the parking lot to the street. The first thing we see are lesbian sheriffs. Oh, yeah, true. Because, the, because we, and we were both just like, oh, shit, right. It's, and we didn't, we, like, we knew that it was Pride Month, but I don't think that either of us were cognizant that people would be celebrating Pride Month with such gumption as they were in West Hollywood to the extent... Like, every bar was a huge party. And they were just, like, you know, there were, like, people, like, passed out, people vomiting, people just, like, making out. There were, like, the EMTs. And this was at, like, 6.30 p.m. Yeah, this was at 6.30 p.m. on a Saturday night. So we saw the lesbian sheriffs walking hand-in-hand down the boulevard, (laughs) like, on their way to, like, arrest some gay people. You know what I mean? But it's just, like, it was, like, an intense vibe. And we walk... We walk down... No, what street? Santa Monica. We walk down Santa Monica. We get to pump. There's like this beefy security guard outside. And in my head, I'm like, whoa, like we're about to enter like a clubby vibe. It's like an outdoor clubby vibe. And he goes, okay, yeah, you can go in. We walk in and it's just like fucking families with high chairs. Very weird. And like straight people on dates. Yeah. It was just a little bit like also... I mean, I mean, I have never seen a restaurant that dingy and ugly. Actually, maybe ever. The windows were literally oh, fully dirty. They were cloudy. Filthy. The light, there was no pure light coming in. The ceiling was legitimately like seven feet high. It was painted black. You felt like you were in a weird little dungeon cave. And we go and we sit at the bar and you look at a big, you know, stupid like Greek head of Zeus fake stone piece surrounded by, you know, like little LED purple lights lighting up all the Vanderpump vodkas. And the bar was like tiny and dingy, truly dingy. Like really, I, there was no, I could not, I could barely see anything. And the menu, everything has pump in it. And we asked our bartender for a pump teeny and a, a big pinky and a big and pinky. A big pinky. Yeah, 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 yeah. And we ask about the pump teeny and then Later, he's like, oh, which pump did you want? So that's the other thing is it's literally badly designed because the bartenders can't remember um, which pump-inspired drink that you ordered. Uh, So that was pretty funny. But our bartender was truly, and I don't even say this with much judgment, just kind of awe, the worst bartender I've ever seen. He poured these women some lemon drop shots and they were very pissed because they hadn't gotten them yet. And it was very much like their service was terrible. And she was like, can I order my drink here? And he was like, yeah. And he got them seven little shot glasses and poured lemon drop shots into them and spilled all over the counter. 
didn't bat an eye. No, like Gemma needed to It literally to, touched like, my arm. I Gemma had to move my stuff. Gemma needed to like stuff. move her phone and wallet like immediately. But also we get to this bar and first of all, like the bar is empty. It's 6.30 on a Saturday night. It's like, it's not as busy as it's going to get. I think it's, it was 7 actually. Okay, but it it's was like, already but it was already seven. I'm saying okay, it so have. okay, okay. So it was it was already seven. I mean, I guess it was pretty busy, but it was like the chair, like none of the chairs are pushed in. Ripped, the bar is filthy. Ripped pleather. Ripped pleather. The chairs are way too low. It was just like a weird vibe. But like all of these like hot gay male bartenders are in their like pristine pink unbuttoned shirts with their ties. They weren't even that pristine, to be honest. Yeah, but they're, like, more freshly laundered yes. than, like, anything else at that restaurant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, compared yes. to the shirts, it was just weird. And they, like, they didn't seem, like, overly stressed. They just seemed like bad bartenders. No, they were terrible. They, We started talking to our bartender to get some intel. And um, he couldn't get a beer and hand it to a man next to us and speak at the same time. He went back to the fridge five times. Well, yeah, the man was like, can I have a Peroni? Classic Italian light beer. <laughs> And this guy was like, okay, I'll get you a Peroni. And then, yeah, and then Gemma and I were, like, t- chatting, you know, just like, just like, hey, what's going on? Because we were like, this is prime time. We need to, uh, we need to get some information. But he's just like, he was like, wait, wait, did you want a Peroni or was it a Bud Light? What, what did you want? And it was, it was very complicated for him. And then he, like, for, so, like, when you go to a bar and you order a drink with a friend, Especially, we were like the only two people at the bar besides the guy who ordered the fucking Peroni. So we were the only two people at the bar. We ordered mixed drinks. We ordered cocktails at the same time. And he gives us the big pinky first. And then we had to wait like a full like seven to ten minutes for it, the second drink. This all took like drink. 30 minutes. Yeah. And it was just like crazy because we were there as like a guy getting escorted out. But then he like made, I guess I got, I got the pumptini or whatever yeah, and you didn't his like fucking it. thumb was in the drink when he was like pouring it it was like it was just like so and basically weird. i think we say all this because it started off the evening with this kind of i mean you kind of understand that like there's that like sir and all these places like are definitely not luxurious they're like branded as luxurious right. for the consumer of the show they're like and they're supposed to be like you know, and it's basically you can show you can make anything look good in a show. You know, you edit out whatever you don't want to see. I've never seen the inside of Pump on the show. I realize like barely. You only see that one garden shot of the bar. But no, but you see the statue. You see the Zeus statue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they just show the bar. Yeah, but it looks. I don't. It, it's just like how. But it, basically, yeah. it's but. But what 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 the you know, the real life experience reveals is that it's a really really poorly designed and un unmanaged location like literally the, the seats were ripped the windows were dirty it, it it felt it felt completely uncared for yeah and at the same time it seemed like people were legit there like on dates and with their families like that weren't there maybe like that like, felt like there wasn't that many even fans of the show. Like, we were there for the show. And we were like, we're going to go there. We're going to get drunk. We're going to, like, talk to the bartenders. We're there for the show. But it just, like, I don't know. I Because it's like, you won't go with, like, a kid on a Saturday night to a restaurant if you're, like, a fan of the show. Or, or maybe, maybe you will. Would. Maybe you know. would. I don't know. It was just, like, kind of a weird vibe. I, it was strange that there were so many, like, very heteronormative families there. 
even though it's like pride also as a dinner place doesn't have dinner vibes at all i didn't i didn't from the show i didn't even i honestly didn't even know that yeah they served it sold food but then so then Gemma, so Gemma and i we talked to this bartender named james he's from new york he used to work at elmo's which is somewhere that i've actually i've been to a couple of times it's it's fine um and we're sitting at this disgusting bar. Um, and then, like, two women walk up to us on the right to get a drink. And then, like, uh, a man and a woman walk up to us on the left. So Gemma started talking to the people on the right. And I started talking to the people on the left. Yes, and the people on the right were these very um, crisply tanned San Diego gals up for the getaway weekend to L.A. And... They were making all the rounds to the Vanderpump restaurants. They were full-blown fans of the show. Although when I asked them who their favorite was, they could not answer me and didn't understand what I was saying. And then I was like, Lisa? And she was like, yeah, Lisa. But it wasn't a very interesting conversation, but they were fans of the show. Yeah, and like they walked in and they were like, what would Lisa Vanderpump order? And he said Pumptini, which is just like... Probably not even true. She probably, it wasn't she would, even a good She drink. would actually definitely order Vanderpump Rosé, and that bartender's an idiot for not saying that. Well, I th- no, it's, it's not that he's an idiot. It's that the <laughs> Pumptini costs like $15. Yeah, I know, And I the know. Vanderpump Rosé costs like But she $14. orders Vanderpump Rosé at every bar she goes to. I'm sorry, if you're actually a fan of the show, you would not. Yeah, R- right, right. But all the drinks are pink. I mean, I, I kind of hate sweet drinks, so I hated the Pumptini. It you, was kind of gross. It was it was really, really... And they, it was the like pump, a sugar The rim. Big Pinky wasn't even good. I kind of... I mean, the Big Pinky is just like vodka cranberry. It's just like a vodka cranberry in a wine glass. It just looked really dingy. Everything looked so fucking low rent. It was very rent. dingy. Yeah, exactly. And it was... It, it just like looked like one of those... Like, I, I don't know how you guys spent your, your youths, but it looked like one of those... Like weird bars that didn't, or clubs that encourage you when you were in high school, yeah. and that you would go in and there'd be like, like everyone was sixteen except for some like creepy forty year old guys <laughs> from New Jersey or whatever, and then like your friends would make out, and you you like maybe would or would, and it was but just then, like sad nights, yeah. very sad sad high school night vibes. So we closed out Pump, and we went to, Sir. Well, yeah. In the space, can we? Let's also just say. We had an hour to kill at Pump. So we were like an hour, two drinks, two, three drinks. We managed to get one drink and the guy even gave us like horrible. Oh yeah, he did us. give us free he did give us um free shots. Because we were fans oh, of the show. Right, right, right. He gave us he gave us free shots. But we we asked him. He was an aspiring model. We asked him, we were like, so do you want to be on the show? And he was immediately like, no. Oh, wait, and can I just say? Yeah, yeah. So the people that um, that I talked to, it was a, a man and his cousin. They were not fans of the show, which struck me as even more psychotic. So weird. Than the people who were there for the show. And he was like, yeah, like, I live around the corner. Obviously a straight man. He was like, I live around the corner and I come here because the food's so good. It's like, it definitely, there's definitely like literally much more amazing food places in West Hollywood right there. I know. And like much more like acclaimed restaurants and bars. It was just so weird. And he was like, I'm bringing my cousin. And I tried to talk to him about the show, but there she was like, um, I don't watch reality. Like I don't watch Vanderpump, but like I watch Below Deck. And that actually turned out to be like a, a, a what's it called when something happens a lot? Popular. It was like a popular comment that we heard is that people don't watch Vanderpump Rules, but they watch Below Jack. Well, Below so Jack, we, I would argue, is uh, less sophisticated. 
I've never seen it. I kind of, I don't, I actually know someone on it. Really? Yeah, this guy I went to college with from Florida. He's like one of the most beautiful men I've ever met in my entire life. There you go. I don't want to say his name because I actually, he may just be like filming right now, but he's totally fucking gorgeous and I lived with him for a hot sack. Wow. That's really, that's some proximity to Bravo you've never divulged before. Well, I didn't, I didn't, you know, I always thought that Below Deck was kind of cheap and stupid. I didn't realize that that could like ever be like a point of pride. It honestly is. But, um... Yeah, so they were fans of Blow Deck, not Vanderbilt, which is another thing that these women at Sir told us. Yeah, so the drinks are kind of strong. Gem and I are a little bit tipsy. We haven't eaten anything. We had like a bagel in the mor- at like 8 a.m. in the morning, and then <laughs> since then we just kind of, I don't even know what we did that day. We were just kind of like, oh, we were really hungover from the night before. Yeah. So we had just kind of been lying in bed all day smoking weed. Yes. And watching Real Housewives. And watching Real Housewives. It's a real Bravo day. We it's almost embarrassing, but I feel like it's so embarrassing. It's it's not. It's it was. I mean, with Libby Research, we literally have a job, which is right now we're giving. You're welcome. Well, a job a job means that we make money. Um. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. All right. We have we have in, we have self unpaid internships. Yeah. Exactly. Anyway. We created this internship for ourselves. Um. Anyway. <laughs> So, so so then we went to we closed out we paid, and we went to Sir. And we put outdoor on the thing because we were like wanted to sit in like the pretty back, but that was a lie. And at first they were gonna see us like on the street, and we were like, no, thank you. Like next to one of those like, you know, those pandemic fucking street bumpers. Mm-hmm. And we were like, can we sit in like more of the patio? And we did. And, like, the table was pretty, but it's, like, just kind of weird energy. Like, it's, like, everything it's has those cheap. white covers. It's cheap. Everything has those catery white tablecloths, white covers over the chairs. Like, you know, cut, like, cut roses and shit on the table and, like, cut peonies and, um, yeah, cheap. And we didn't have anybody come talk to us. We had a bus person, like, bring us some, like, waters, like, 50 minutes that we sat down and like the waitress didn't come for like fully 25 minutes yeah no we were literally just there and but we walked around right we sat down and we were like okay game plan we gotta we gotta start walking yeah so i like went to the bathroom and like walked through and we saw where lisa sits we saw like her table we were like sitting on the window opposite like the, the like the the owner's table or whatever um and uh and then we went to the bathroom, and I, you, the bathroom is right next to the back. Like, the back that if you're watching, if you're a fan of the show, which if you're not, literally, go watch it. it it's so fun to watch. It's, it's actually disturbed. It's crazy. Um, but anyway, we went to the, I went to the bathroom, and the back was right there, and that was kind of crazy, because the back is featured so strongly in the show. It's where all these crazy, all this crazy shit does, goes down. Like, when they go on their, their break, and they smoke a cigarette, and they have a drink, and like, the, the most major confrontations of the show happened there. Yeah, and I didn't even realize... I mean, the bathrooms are actually really nice. They're, like, single-stall bathrooms. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I didn't mean, notice I always, how... I didn't notice how nice the bathrooms I, I feel like I have, like... I have a... Uh, I don't want this to sound, like, weird and unladylike, <laughs> but I... It's not that I have bathroom anxiety in the way that's, like, gross, but, like, I definitely always prefer <laughs> a single bathroom to a stall bathroom. Right, right. 
I like. Yeah, that was a classy touch. You know what I mean? But the bathrooms are almost like nicer than. No, no, no. But they're not. The, all the bathrooms weren't. The one of the bathrooms was stall, and one was single. The one in the back was the single one. The one in the front by the bar was stall. Oh, yeah. so I only, I mean, I peed like probably 10 times on the, I don't know why. I was, I was drinking a lot of vodka sodas, rosé. <laughs> very clean, very clean. And each time I went there, the cleaning lady would like come in right after me and like clean everything up. Okay, so, okay, yeah. So there you go. 10 out of 10 bathrooms from Phoebe Kaufman. Go to Sir. <laughs> I mean, they're great. If you're ever in WeHo, you should All just right. walk straight in. But then in. we, um, we got some, we got the famous goat cheese balls because, duh. And we got three orders because there's only three little ones on there. And we got Vanderpump Rosé. And crab cake. Honestly, the food wasn't terrible. I mean, it was like... Not, it wasn't terrible. It was like frozen. Like the goat cheese balls were clearly frozen. I mean, it wasn't like... I mean, you're not going there for the food. But I think it is interesting to think about how the food, if the food is good there. Because like it's just pretty run of the mill. Because, But I think that's the only reason that's interesting to talk about is because on the show, once again... And this is a facade that's not that hard to break down. But once again, it's not... It's not luxury food. It's not like this amazing gourmet food location, which is how they make it seem on the show. Yeah. They make it seem like a high-end, highly competitive to get a reservation at restaurant. And it's literally not. I mean, we were there on a Saturday night, and I was like, there were many empty tables. I mean, the, f- the food was fine. Like, I, it was at like, I, yeah, we were also we were really quite hungry. It doesn't really matter, but I think it was also interesting that, it, like, I thought it would be a little bit better. Like, the goat cheese balls, because even, like, you even see, like, there's, like, a type of PR campaign with Stassi being, like, oh, the goat cheese balls are so good, I have to steal them. They're not, they're not them. But it makes sense that 25-year-old Stassi is, like, yeah, when I'm, like, drunk on white wine at work, I want to eat tons of goat cheese balls because they're frozen breaded goat cheese balls that they put in the fryer and take out. I mean, the menu is also really dyslexic and insane. The menu is dyslexic and insane. It's also, like, in Times New Roman... Very weird. There no, it, there's no spacing. They obviously... Yeah. Also so basically, like, as a restaurant, I think what we're getting to is as a restaurant, it fails. Yeah. It does not actually feel like a good restaurant. No, and the Vander... Everything did smell like vomit, I noticed. I mean, maybe... Yeah. It, it was strange. It's just kind of a like, cheesy, tacky restaurant. Yeah, but it just kind of... I guess I guess when I say it smelled... It, it did smell like vomit. I don't think that many people are vomiting on the patio at Sir, but I think that the smell of vomit was just like, it smelled like there's like a lot of spills that happen and like people just don't clean them up. Like it just kind of smelled like a tacky kind of dirty-ish restaurant. Also our, our waitress, we ended up talking to and she was really nice. She was really wonderful. But she could not have given less of a shit about waiting on us. Horrible waitress. Like literally I didn't see her face until like an hour into the meal when we like stopped to ask her a question. Like she was always yeah. turning away to go somewhere. But I somewhere. think that, so I guess we should get into that. So Gemma and I were like, wow, the service here is horrible. Let's talk to the waitress. Um, well, I guess first we witnessed this like hostess, I guess, like scream at this busser for yeah. like a really stupid reason. She's like, do the tables now. This one and this one. In front of the customer. In front of everyone. It was Which, like really weird. Lisa, in front of customers? You can't do shit but in front of customers. But then we were talking to the, the, the busser, and we were like, what the fuck is up with that? And he was like, yeah, honestly, she's just a hostess, and like, this isn't even my section. So I was like, I'm going to have to talk to this bitch. <laughs> but then we were like, okay, so the service is kind of strange, uh, super unprofessional. So then the our waitress, whose name was Jessica, yes. came by, and we were like, yo, Shout yo, out to yo. Jessica. 
hold up for a sec. We're here for the show. Are you on the show? Like, what is your deal with the show? And she basically was like, no, I don't want to be. She told us that she used to work at a restaurant down the street that was, like, much more intense and had really, really intense L.A. clientele. And it was a really stressful job because everything, the service was under complete scrutiny and, you know, you could never get an order right. So she said that she went, moved to, went, took a job at Sir and took a pay cut. Pay cut. But that this was the cushiest, easiest job she's ever had because there's all the people who go to the restaurant are all like out of towners, like basic people who love reality TV. So they wouldn't know a fucking good steak of it hit them in the face. So it's not hard to be a waitress there. Yeah, because people don't really care. They're just kind of like there to meet people. And if they don't, if you're not on the show, they could give less of a fuck. Which is smart of Lisa Vanderpump because she has a restaurant that barely functions as a good restaurant and she makes butt tons of money. Yeah, I mean, the only reason we were there was for was for the show. But it was and that, also, was very, that was a very weird feeling. The feeling of being yeah. there for the show and like the whole thing was like an ad for the show and it, it was like visiting a set. Well, it was, I mean, I've never, you've been on the Universal tour, but I've, I've No, no, I, been not on, Universal. I oh, went no, on not, Warner Brothers when Warner I was Brothers. like 13. I've never been on those, but I feel like I almost felt <laughs> tricked. I felt like going to Sir was like a Universal Studios or like yeah. Warner Brothers well, tour. When I went to the Warner... For people who didn't quite realize they were on them, but are for, but are like fans of reality TV. Right. When instead I went, of fans of like Harry Potter. When I went to the Warner Brothers tour... We just did like the main, like those little sets that they have like Gilmore Girls and like fr- friends on. And like I was, I had only watched Gilmore Girls when I went on that tour. And like my mom was like looking around, like we were like, this is crazy. Like literally everything is fake. And it's like, well, duh, everything is fake. But there's something, there's some sort of flatness about like a mm-hmm. fake pepper shaker and like a fake, like, like a paper mache window. Like, and that really did translate into Sir. Like, it did feel flat. It, like it lacked. It lacked. It, I mean, especially Pump. Like, it lacked the dimension of a place that is a place for, like, that is a place because it's a place. It's not a place because it's a place. It's a place because yeah. there's a show. Well, it's just like objects which lack context. Right. And that's what they felt like. But then, it, but then it's almost like this weird, fucked up surprise that then you have to, like, pay a bill. You, you right. know what I mean? Because I was like... Well, and a fucking pricey one, too. I mean, it's probably... I mean, I don't know how much Universal tours cost, but, like, the it was definitely, right. you know, just as expensive as, like, booking a fucking cameo or booking a visit. I, you know, it, it was really... It was, like, really, really expensive for, like, a visit to the set. And I think that, you know, it's like... You, you just realize that, like, what's more expensive are the cameras or the lighting because the restaurant, it, it, as Jenna was saying, it's kind of small, and it, it looks so fake. It looks really flat, and it's kind of depressing because you start to feel like not, you know, I'm not gonna say like, oh, you feel like you're an actor and you feel pretend or something, but you definitely feel like you're walking through something fake. And what makes it even weirder is that you then realize that there's another level where it's like actually real. Right, like it actually there are people. It's a restaurant. Like there were people who were next to us who were not fans of the show, who were just there. And there were... Well, they were fans of Below Deck. Yeah, but they weren't fans of Vanderbilt. No, they weren't, but I'm saying that they, like, they knew Van... Right, they were I'm just saying that, like, that's the Below Deck theme. Yes. Yeah, but they... But that there are people who come to Sir as a restaurant. So that, like, weird double 
function of the place made it really hard to like grasp. And, and then there was also like people, like Guillermo was there the whole night we were there. And for those who don't know, Guillermo is like the co-owner of the restaurant with Lisa. And he was there the whole night wearing his little classical hat. Fedora. Um, not even a fedora. It's like one of those LA hats. It's like got An a little LA more of a fedora. Yeah, basically. But he was like there the whole night, and he was sitting at like you know the owner's table or whatever, which we were like right by. And it was just kind of, um, it was like weird that he was actually there because like I also think that the funny thing about the show is that like many of the people on the show now do not work at the restaurants. They right. they've all made tons of money. But you do understand that at least a few of them have to actually work at the restaurant. And so, like, Diana, who's one of the, who's the manager, I saw her there. Like, there are people, and then there's just bartenders. Like, we met one of these bartenders who just is a bartender there. She's just like, yeah. it's a cushy job. And she's like, I make a lot of money. Yeah, I mean, people people work there. It's a job. And, like, not everyone who works there wants to be on the show. And that was the thing. It's like, well, we were talking to Jessica, who's the waitress. Yes. Jessica, the waitress, was. we were like, do you want to be in the show? And she was like, God, no. And then we were like, okay, are you just saying that because you, like, um, because you, like, were rejected from the show? And she's like, no. Like, if you want to be on the show, the producers come at, like, the beginning of every season. And they're like, who wants to be on the show? If you want to be on the show, we'll interview you. You know, so it seems, like, pretty easy to get on the show. You just kind of right. have to be, like, ready and willing. And you also have to be, like... You have to be willing, it seems like you have to be ready and willing to like put in the time and you have to also like, you know, you probably have to have a certain kind of charisma, but there's like, well, of it's course. like you interview for the show. But, but what was really interesting is we found out that like people who enter the show at the beginning who are like, like on the most recent season, Danica, um, Brett and Max, Danica, Brett and Max are the, the newbies and Danica stirs up a lot of shit. Honestly, they all do. They all stir up a lot of shit. But Danica only got paid $2,500. Like, that's so little money, it's insane. That is so little money. That's like no money. That's like an extra, like, that's like probably one month of rent for, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, there's no, like, what is the incentive? Well, the incentive is that someone like Jax makes 25K an episode. But he's been doing it for eight years and his mental health is in the toilet. No, but that's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. No, but, but okay, but that's also something that's like been really fascinating is that like you're someone like Danica uh, or not even Danica. You're just someone who comes on the show as a newbie. And I think that part of the appeal is like the supposed or the hypothetical or the potential longevity. Right, but I think what was it's so... It's a commitment. Right, which was so... It was so Right, it is a commitment. Like, the, the idea that you get paid low at the beginning is, like, it's kind of, like, hazing almost. Like, you gotta be stuck, stick around. But I think that also, like... Yeah. The idea of, like, this kind of, like... I mean, I don't know. I feel like talking about this is also kind of interesting because it's, like, we all know this is fake, but seeing how fake it was was kind of crazy. Like, well, it made it more real, almost. But, like, the fact that, you know, they, they, they're, you're like, oh, they're reality TV stars. And, like, obviously, I don't feel fooled completely by the whole production of the show but you know they fool me enough and like to find out that a new member only gets twenty five hundred dollars i was like that is just so out of step with the way that they're like presenting this world but also it makes sense that at the beginning and that they all the people really do work at the restaurant because they have to keep working at the restaurant it definitely made it definitely really 
Uh, oh, and you have to cover your shifts. Yeah. If you have to go do it like a party to film, you have to get your shift covered. Yeah. So you lose money to be on the show and you only get paid $2,500. So yeah. you instead, of, instead of working a six-hour shift and making what? You know? I don't know how much they make. $300. You like, you have to like then lose that money and you literally take a pay cut to be on the show. Yeah, right, because you got to get your shifts covered to go to the parties, and there's like, it seems like there's no infrastructure before. But what I was saying is, like, it seems like the show or the people or whatever makes the show, it really dives headfirst into that ambiguity between real and fake. Yeah. Because definitely, like, uh, you know, it's, it's definitely like a Hollywood or L.A. cliche that's like, it's all in lights, and it's all recorded, and everything looks better on screen. But it's it's so strange when you kind of like encounter that in in reality. Like I'm even thinking of uh, I'm forgetting the name of it, but Otessa Moshveg writes this really interesting short story in Homesick for Another World about this like aspiring actor who as like if you know Otessa Moshveg, he's actually like a complete weirdo freak. Um he like moves to LA and he's like trying to go to all these different jobs, but they keep rejecting him. And he's, like, kind of this, like, disgusting, freaky character. But then there's this point where he, like, meets this uh, astrologer who knows nothing about astrology, but she just, like, has this column where she writes, like, the horoscopes for the week. Mm -hmm. But she just kind of, like, uses, like, a different meditative practice that's, like, not astrology. And, you know, and I feel like, I feel like that, I don't want to be diminutive. I don't know. I don't want to, like, I don't want to, like, make it into... I don't want to, like, exacerbate this point, but somehow it's, like, you know, you know the show is fake. And I think that you go to the restaurant and it becomes, like, really underlined that the show is fake. And I think that that gives it... Right, it's real (laughs) because you're making money and it's real because you're living it. And it's just, like, I think that's something that Gemma and I kept picking up on as the night went on was, like, there's this this very deep underlying sadness to everything. It's, like... It's very depraved. It's very depraved. And you can it's like, really pick up on Because it's that. like there would be, you know, maybe there would be some sort of like happiness or fulfillment or like real relief if it was like a really functioning restaurant that was exactly like the show. But in the absence of that, it's like, oh, this is like an empty, weird shell and like a vessel. And like some people don't even understand why they're there. Because the only reason the restaurant's popular yeah. is because of the show. But I was talking to these women in the bathroom, and they were like, we don't watch the show. What show? There's a show tonight? And I was like, never mind. You don't understand what I'm talking about. But they're like, but they, but they not there because, like, Sir's, like, an amazing... Like, I guess maybe they are, but the only reason Sir's popular is because of the show. Right, right. It but only exists because of the show. But then you realize that it also doesn't. Yeah. I mean, it's, I guess now mostly it's the show, but it's like, you really wonder about where that line is between like, why, like, why do people go to your restaurant? Like, is Lisa Van, like, is it kind of genius that someone just created a restaurant that attracts people, not just for the food or the ambiance or whatever, uh, but it's like, but it's also to like see, cause it's not even like, you know, you go to the Chateau Marmont or whatever to like see and be seen, but at Van, at Sur, you go there to see. Yeah, you go there just to see. You do, because no one knows who the fuck you are. You go there to watch. Right. And, like, that's the thing, like, our waitress was telling us that, like, she said majority of her customers are fans of the show. And and then I asked her, because we were like, okay, so who's working tonight? And she was like, Raquel, 
James and they're dating and Jeremy. And well, James doesn't work there. Well, Raquel, right. Has, but Raquel he was like, is James, James is going to show up. Yeah. And she was like, Jeremy. And Jeremy is Jeremy Maddox, who's Ariana Maddox's younger brother. And, and Ariana's dating Tom Sandoval. And Ariana's a pretty main, main fixture of the show. Yeah. Since season three she's she's a big she's a she's a star now i would call yeah, she's one she's of the heavy star. hitters she's one of the big the big stars now she doesn't even work there she used to be a bartender but now she doesn't even work there anymore um and so we were like oh like do you think that they would mind if we like said hey and she would and our waitress literally looked at us and she like with like this dead look in her eyes she was just kind of like that is literally the only reason why they're here yeah and we um we said hi to Raquel, and she was very sweet, as she is on well, the show, we honestly. Paid, we paid for dinner, and then we went to the bar. Yeah, and the bar was actually a whole different experience than dinner. Oh, my God. Exhausting. The bar was actually not as cheap. I mean, maybe it was because the lights were off, but, like, it did have, like, a kind of a glitzy wall, and, like, mm-hmm. it had a weirdly had a huge LED screen that was playing, like, somebody's, influencer like... Influencer travel log. Yeah, influencer travel log, and we talked to... Jeremy Maddox a little bit and he was like and we were like what is we were like what is what is that on the screen and he was like it's the new season I was like no way and he was like no I'm just kidding but they did used to screen the show there like screen the show on the huge screen at the bar that and that must have been a weird experience yeah yeah no it was crazy so at the bar it was Jeremy Maddox who obviously everyone recognized and it was like this other like hot girl yeah, she was just, she was literally just a hot bartender. Yeah, we asked her. No like, aspirations of fame. Well, we asked her, do you have aspirations? And she was like, uh, to be a bartender? Which is, I mean, it's admirable, whatever, but. Yeah, she's just like, I want to have my life. She's just a bartender, you know what I mean? It's not like, oh, I want to be an actress. I want to be on the show. She's no. just like a bartender. She's just like doing her thing. She's a yeah. boyfriend. Yeah. She's from Chicago? Yeah, she's from Chicago. Yeah, she was from Chicago. <laughs> she's from like the Chicago suburbs. <laughs> We're like, okay, cool. Yeah. Um, she like knew people like, cause, uh, I live in Chicago and she was just kind of like, Oh my God. Yeah. Like so many of my friends are like getting their PhDs at like you Chicago. And I was like, wait, they probably know my partner. That's insane. But, um, but the sir bar was definitely like a bar bar, like compared to pump. It was like a bar. Yeah. It felt normal. The seats were not ripped. No, sir has a pump. I think is the ugly step sister that no one goes to. Because Which is Pump fucked up because it's the fun made it's supposed to be on for gay the people. show, and Sir was made before the show. Yes, so I think that Sir needed more of a backbone. Yeah, because they didn't know if the show would take off or not. Yeah, um, we talked to Raquel, and she was very sweet and um, very pretty, and um, very skinny. And um, very skinny. She was very nice. She literally was exactly like she was on the show. She's like, yeah, uh huh. Oh, it's no, it's great to meet you, Joe. And like gave us a hug. I got, I was like pretty drunk and I kept like asking people for cigarettes. And I was like, Raquel, I know that your boyfriend James smokes. I have a cigarette. And she was like, well, you know, he only smokes when he's drunk. And as you know, he's been sober. So I'm very proud of him. Which is literally like the narrative that the sh- that her, that's her narrative on the show. That's all she says on the show. She's just the supportive boyfriend of James. She says, he's sober now. He's sober and she's crying. He's like, he's. She's like, he called me a bitch. She's like, and then he's, and then she's like, he's sober, 
And honestly, congrats to James. He does. He is. So, he does seem sober. No, and that's a huge thing. Sobriety, it is a huge thing. I mean, sobriety I'm just is that, admirable. Right, but but that's not really what we're talking about. I'm just talking about the fact that like that is the narrative that she has on the show, and she was bringing that into real life, just seamlessly. Sorry, Phoebe's got a bug. Um, but then um, we also met. But then James showed up, and I was like, "No way, that's James." He is very attractive in person. He actually is much cuter in person. He's surprised. He's taller. He's surprisingly very attractive. And he's um, he was like super down to chat. He is. He's probably one of the most charismatic people. I mean, I think that a lot of addicts are incredibly charismatic, and James is definitely no exception to that rule. Yeah, and he's a TV star, and he loves being a TV star. His eyes were just like. I mean, like, so we, we were talking, uh, so our, our bartender was uh, was Jeremy. His eyes are like a fucking, like, young deer. <laughs> Bambi. He had, like, Bambi eyes. It was like, oh, they just, like, love me. But the other thing He had, like, love about... me eyes. But James had, like, James had, like, we're gonna fucking go party. Like, do you want to have fun? Come play with me. Like, he had excitement eyes. Yeah, and he was, but he was also touting his exact narrative that he does on the show, which is that he was talking to me and I was like, oh, are you guys filming right now? And I think he took that to mean like, are you filming? Where's the cameras? Which I'm sure people do ask him all yeah. the time. But he was like, no, but we're going to film it. He's like, no, but we'll film it on Tuesday. He was like, come, come through. Like I'm doing my see you next Tuesday night. And I'm like, I was like, oh my God, that's, and then Raquel was like, you should come back on Tuesday. James is doing his, his DJ night literally on the show. That is James' entire story arc. Is he's just asking Lisa for his Tuesday nights back, and he the fact that he just like said that seamlessly and like, but it all was just yeah. It all kind of seemed like a joke. Like it all kind of seemed like a big bit. You know the. Fact I don't know. That he Raquel, seems pretty convinced. No, I know, but that's like what made it so uh, so like uncanny. Yeah. You know what I mean? That like Raquel was like my boyfriend is sober. And that James is like, come to see you next. They were just like repeating Because they are living bets. out there. I mean, I guess in a way, like, they are living out the live. They are giving us reality. Yeah, they are. But it's also just like, James is only sober. And James only does see you next Tuesday because of the show. And the only reason that Raquel is even saying, the only reason that we would even go up to them in the first place is because they're on the show. Yeah. So it's like they feed into each other. I mean, it's like Baudrillard writes that. It's like reality becomes like hyper-reality or like the simulation is the simulation of the simulation. And I think mm. that like this is, it's actually like even more than watching the show uh, from like a, even, you know, a critical stance or even not, like actually meeting them in person off camera, you kind of see how they're in a way like stuck. Mm-hmm. In these personas. Or yeah. it's not stuck, but it's like, even if you meet them in reality, in real time, there's still such a facade, which I guess makes sense. Well, to be fair, we were fans. Well, we were fans, but they were also like, I mean, I guess I've never really, I've never, I've never been in that situation. I've never just been like no. introduced myself to be, I'm such a fan. I'm not really like a fan of people. I feel like I like people for the characters that they have, but like... I've never, like, been a fan of someone. I'm a well, girl to them. Yeah. I mean, right. But we we are watchers of the show as well. And so, and to them, we were fans. Well, do you think So they address their fans happen. the same way. Well, do you think... Right. So do you think that, like, that's just, like, what they say to the fans? Yeah. But that's what I'm saying. Like, it just sounds like, oh, it's like, okay, like, 
we it, it almost seemed like one of those uh, like if there was a James Kennedy doll in the store. Yeah, if you, you would it, it would push be like, it. See you next Tuesday. Come to see you next Tuesday. I got my Tuesday slot back. <laughs> Don't have a cigarette because I'm sober. <laughs> you know, and like that was that's like what the man himself yes. said. And Raquel would be like, "My boyfriend is sober." I mean, I do think that they they both. I do think that he is probably genuinely excited for. He he did have a gleam in his eye when he talked about DJing. Yeah, and Raquel was like, "You should." come but I do think that they probably are in some at some level aware of their narrative and they give the fans what they want yeah and the more people that are at the night the better it looks yeah should we talk should we talk about Jeremy sure we don't need to no I think we should so okay so one of the most so I guess I'll just say it like this because, um, okay, so we've kind of been telling this, we've been telling this story in a pretty linear way, you know, this and then this and then this, but I think I want to, to get to this next part, I want to kind of skip ahead a little bit. Mm-hmm. Gemma and I, we got into the car and we drove home. Um, it was like a, a 40 minute drive, whatever. Yeah, like, 40 minute drive. We, we honestly just, like, we immediately, we got into the car, and we started, like, we got in the car, we were laughing, but very quickly, we just kind of started, like, bawling. Yeah. We, 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 like, immediately just, like, completely broke down. We were both, like, really sobbing. I got, like, really anxious. The, um, I think the, like, pre- like, kind of the performance everyone else was doing, and, like, my performance as, like, an audience member and a fan was kind of intense. Um, Yeah. It just made, I got kind of, like, frustrated. Yeah, and Gemma also, so we walked into Pump, and Gemma, like, Gemma was, like, really excited. And, like, kind <laughs> no, of no, when flipping we got, out. No, no, when we got to Sir. When we got to Sir, Gemma started kind of, like, flipping out. Yeah, I felt, like, buzzy. Like, I was like, this is so exciting. Like, you were, like, you were really just, like, Zzzz. Yeah, I felt buzzy, definitely. Yeah, and Because it felt like there was right. so much. It, I think it was just, like, incredible stimulation. It was a lot And of it was, like, and because we had just gotten there, I was like, what is there to see? I want to see it all. Right. There like, what, wh- where's the reveal? I actually, I was, I was pretty laid back for it. I think I was kind of, like, taking it in. I was definitely, like, a little bit speechless, at the depravity of it all. <laughs> but, like, we definitely got into the car and we started, I guess because we were talking about James, maybe, we started talking about addiction and we started talking about how, you know, addiction, it's not even sad that someone abuses alcohol. I mean, it is sad, but it's, like, what's really sad is that someone, like, isn't has so much fucking pain in their hearts and souls and whatever, or just like body chemical whatever that they like that they like turn to alcohol as something that they're going to be addicted to, and I think that like through that we started talking about like, well I don't know like this addiction of like hyper visibility on the show, and how it's just like it's 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 horrifying, to 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 even work there. So so I guess the part that we left out is that like we kind of made friends with with Jeremy. Mm-hmm. Who was on the show as like a minor character for a little bit, and then he kind of left, and so we were talking. To, I mean, there everyone was like surprisingly really open. Yeah, I was kind of surprised by that, but I also then wasn't that surprised by it. Like everyone's really chatty. It's very I do think LA. People, I do think it's very people, LA. I do think people want to talk about. I mean, people always want to talk about their lives, though. 
They do. People and literally they, always do. They always you give talk somebody about an in, they're like going to talk about their stuff. Right. You're like, how's your day going? And next thing you know, it's like the exact hour their mother died. You know what I mean? But we just started talking to Jeremy, who seems like a pretty sad person. And he was just like talking about how the show. He was like, I hated being on the show. He was like, I hated being on the show. He's like, I hated it watching made me myself. so depressed. I refused to watch the show. It's it's kind of all a lie. And it was weird because he was kind of like saying exactly what like everyone with a straight head on knows. Yeah, which is which makes him an interesting person to talk to because he was he's not he's never been a principal character, but he has a sister who is very much visible on the show. And therefore, I think he probably feels like a part of him is kind of vulnerable on the show. There really was this like very deep sadness in his eyes. Well, I guess the reason why I bring this up even is because just like we were. uh, So Guillermo kind of went behind the bar. Right. Mm -hmm. And he was like, oh, I want a picture with Jeremy. So they, they got a picture together. Then he was like, all right, now I want a picture of like. Jeremy with this other hot bartender and they took a picture and then Jeremy and us were talking and we were like, all right, like, what do you want to do with your life? And he was like, I just like want to move to San Diego and like surf and smoke weed and DMT all the time. Which he is doing. He's moving to San Diego. Yeah. And I was like, oh, like, is that your girlfriend to the girl that he was working with? And he was like, oh, no. He was like, no, but, like, you know, when you're at work, you just kind of have to create this, like, you know, hyper-social persona. And, like, you know, it's, we kind of talked about this in the Adorno episode, but it's like, yeah, like, I totally feel that, like, I worked in restaurants for, like, five years. And, yeah, like, that's, that's part of it. Like, it sucks so much to have to be, like, on constant, like, social patrol for your whole shift and to have to like only please people and be such right. a two-dimensional person. That but he has like, no problem doing that. Right. But it's like, you need to create relationships. You need to create relationships with the people that you work with. Cause it's like the only real thing that's going on. He said he likes Jax a lot. He, uh, they're good friends. He says that having a child has calmed Jax down, which I suspected. That was funny. Um, but yeah, I mean, he has an interesting take on the show because he's sort of a, he's sort of a side character in a sense um I think because of that he he has more to he feels more maybe free to say things I felt like I had suddenly I had the power to like manipulate this guy but I also felt like I was being manipulated by my own status as like a fan of the show and also a customer you know because I'm paying him and I'm tipping him so you know it's like hard to gauge well, that's what I think. Maybe. Where the intimacy is coming from. Right. And that almost freaked me out because it's like, it's almost this feeling of being like so totally out of control. Right. I think that's partly what made me so what like kind of upset me once we were in the car is like this kind of feeling of like meeting people who are that kind of outside of your like normal life or like, it's always kind of jarring and like a little scary. You know, you don't, I, I something about them being on the show, like they were a little scary to me. I was like, my God, like, who are these people? You know, like, it's kind of, yeah. it felt kind of weird. Yeah. It felt like, no, yeah, I don't think I trusted the situation. I don't think I trusted the, the, the bar. I don't think I trusted the restaurant. I don't think I, you know. And also, sir, it should, it, I mean, Vanderpump Rules, it should be said, is not a show that you watch and feel, um, like, joy or comfort in it's incredibly entertaining and incredibly fascinating but it is a show full of violence 
and full of aggression and full of yeah. deep, deep, deep sadness. Yeah. And I think that like you felt that. I think I felt that because that's how that's how I associate my feelings of the show. I mean, I like watching it obviously because I like like this kind of stuff, but yeah, it was intense. It was like definitely an intense vibe. Yeah, and I, I think that that's like a really good way to put it. You know what I mean? It's just like the 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 show. It's it's not just like a fun thing to do with your time. Like the show, the show is like a really bit of in- a commitment. Yeah, and it is, and I think that like there's part of that commitment is the addiction. It's like you get you really yeah. get addicted to to reality TV and to the stories and to yada yada and whatever. Um, but and they are genuinely entertaining people. They are because they're charismatic and they're like really fucking sad. They're really sad. Yeah. And I think that they're they're it's almost like a catharsis in seeing people that like struggle from the same shit that you do or people that are even worse off than you are, or something like that. And I think that, like, meeting these people... And I'm only talking about Jeremy, because it's just, like, we actually had, like, a conversation with him. Yeah. Not that I don't even know... Like, I don't even know. Like, maybe it was fucking fake. Like, I don't know. Maybe it was fake. Maybe he just did but it But how many conversations do you have at a bar that are fake, right? Like, it doesn't even have to be at a show, at a bar where there's a show where he was on the show. How many times do you talk to a bartender and that could have been a fake relationship? You know what I mean? Like, that's right. the interesting part about it. Right. That's what was the confusing thing. Right, exactly. And I think that some people, you... I don't think that we felt confused by the fact that we, like that we, like, felt as if we knew them from the show. Because I don't think... I think that we kind of understand that we don't know anything about them. No. But it was almost, like, this confusion. And also, I don't really want to know them. Right, but there's this confusion of this intimacy that wasn't only between, like, a character on the show saying hi to a fan, but it was also between, like, the bartender and, like, the girl buying the drink or something right. like that. And I think that, like, there is this desire to want to know. Because at least when I see someone in pain, I, like, I don't know. It's weird. It's like, I just want to know. I'm like, tell me, tell me, tell me. I want it. I want yeah. that. I like have the, this this desire for it, and I think that on the car ride home, we just like Gemma. We I don't know. We like really opened up about our families, and we were like really talking about like. Well, Phoebe and I also know each other. We know everything about ever every traumatic thing that's ever happened to each other. We've been around. For yeah, but like you know, but it's you know we don't talk about that all the time. That would be stupid. But like we really just started talking about some yeah, like really deep dark things, that that have like happened to us, and it. It really, I think, was just, like, this weird relationship or, like, this weird anxiety we were yeah. feeling as, like, this hangover from yeah. this, like, hyper-social, hyper-real yeah. experience. Yeah, I can't even really through. put a word to it. It was just, like, yeah, it was a very, um, I mean, I'm really glad we went, and I'm, like, you know, I, it, it dawned on me that I, I could, like, I could go to... James's DJ night I could go to see you next Tuesday but like I don't want to do that like that sounds crazy and like but it did dawn on me that like I could go to Sir often like I live here you know like no, I it's could, a restaurant like I could but it was so funny because I was like I feel like I was like this was like a special I mean I'm not gonna go to Sir on the reg but like on the record you could like it just yeah I don't know but I, I it dawned on me that I could just like continue our research and like go to see you next Tuesday but it's like and of course there is a part of me that's like I want to know I want to see somebody there I want to see like one of the major people there you know like well the drive is that you're like I want to see something happen and I think the drive is like I want to see something happen that's going to be recorded or I want to know like how they would like I want to know how it would feel to like talk to one of them you know like that's kind of what there's something that's kind of there is something there that that you realize they're just people 
and they're and the thing about the Vanderpump Rules stars is they're not older wealthy women. They're like pretty young people who like mostly didn't come from any kind of place of wealth or fame or status and now have it. And that's kind of interesting to me. Is there something that that makes them a little more... Somehow they, the cast feels a little more approachable, which is why I think partly the show does so well. I don't know. Even talking about it now, I'm getting, like, very upset because there's there's such a uncomfortable part of just, like, meeting someone that you're obviously meeting because of the persona that they put on and, and meeting someone with their persona, your persona is, like you like them that's like the only thing that's going for you in that moment I think that it puts you at like this level of weakness Hmm. you know because they're not approaching us they're not interested in us we're interested in them well it's like the culture of being a fan it's like being a groupie or something I know and it's 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 kind of it's weird it makes me feel really weird it makes me feel totally powerless right we're also saying that we you know it's definitely obvious like this is definitely kind of chronicled on the show a bit but like bartenders at Sir who are on the show definitely do like hook up with fans like that's a really easy way that to get laid that became increasingly obvious to us oh yeah very as the obvious. night as the night progressed like that's a thing for sure yeah and you think about all those like scenes about like I don't know like even like when that like that that girl from Miami was like yelling at Tom Sandoval oh, at the crazy. Sir bar and you're like wow that like that like literally happened at the Sir bar that's so random yeah well, that was another, I mean, this probably, I think we're going to wind down soon, but I think that the, also this feeling of, um, like, the fact that they do work at the restaurant when they were, like, when all those characters were at the height of their fame and, like, they had, like, after the season one reunion or, like, season two reunion, Stassi is talking to Andy and he's like, how does it feel to have, like, a public persona? Mm-hmm. And she's like, it's horrible. She's like, people come into the restaurant and call me a bitch to my face. Mm-hmm. And it's like kind of because there's a restaurant it's like this really easy way for like stalkers and crazy people to get to them which is what happens to Tom Sandoval Kristen literally enables a stalker to come and like yell and like get paid actually probably didn't even get that paid that much like come and yell at him at the bar and like create a drama for the show but like you know Stassi had people come in and like call her names and like Jax probably had people come in and try to sleep with him and, like, record it. There's something maybe vulnerable about their position in the show and as restaurant workers at the same time. Like, they are truly exposed. No, right, There's no protection. Right. The show does not protect them. The show, right. only, the show only gives them $2,500 and it doesn't protect them. Right. And, it like, it, it, what does it give them? It gives them a platform. But I think it gives them, like, a platform where it's, like, it's easier for, like, a sniper to get them. But, like, what are we trying to say? We went to Sir just because I'm trying to boil it down. Yeah. What happened? We went to Sir. We I think it was an experience of place. We yeah, we had a weird time. We understood that that it's a set piece and we understood that we are we are simply part of the gears turning us. I realized that I was there to be to be surrounded by these people. Yes, obviously. yeah, 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 definitely. I feel like the reveal was deflated. And I felt weak. <laughs> That's interesting. I think that's probably a personal thing because I didn't feel weak at all. I just felt like the reveal is so quickly deflated, you know, like the reveal is not as revealing as you think it's going to be. And you're just like, there's just these kind of random people, but also I'm not going to like get all like too like podcasty theory. It was also like fucking fun to see James at the bar and hear Raquel say things that she said on the show and see Jeremy say that he knows Jack's like, 
BB might be not in that vibe, but like I had, I think that was, I mean, I, I feel pretty that's genuinely, about it. I think that's genuinely interesting. I had a great, I liked doing that. Yeah. I feel, I definitely feel pretty fucked up about it. Cause I also feel as if like, I kind of put on like my own persona. Like I feel like I regressed. There's certain situations where I, I want something out of an encounter. And I think that I put on a persona that like gets things to get an intimacy with someone who is so against an intimacy with with a fan. You know what I mean? It's like it's like to get deep with someone. Or to well, get you felt embarrassed being a fan. I felt embarrassed being a fan, but I also felt like I also felt embarrassed about like wanting to be like more than a fan. Right. That well, that's I was like a need. I wanted. But you have to I be wanted, special. You can't I just be a fan. I wanted to just like go there and be special. Right. Which is. I wanted to be, like, the favorite. I wanted to be, like, right. not just a fan. I guess, that, like, that's my own problem. But it's, like, yeah. I wanted to go there. And I wanted to, like, succeed in some, like, intimate social. And I'm not even talking about, like, a blowjob behind the rest. Like, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, like, an emotional intimacy of, like, who are you past your persona. Well, right. That's, well, that's, that's why you people watch reality TV is to generate a feeling of emotional intimacy with these people. I mean, you know, you, you gather that over time. But I think that... Because Jeremy was so, is such a secondary kind of character. I was like, yeah, whatever. You know what I mean? I think that I would have been nervous to talk to, like, somebody who I've watched really closely. Like, I would have felt, it would have felt really. I think they'd be even more fake. I think that they'd, like, have more of a a script. Yeah, but I'm not, I don't, I'm not offended by their fakeness at all. I I I guess I, I am. Right. I'm not offended by their fakeness. I mean, they don't owe me anything. And. Yeah, you're right. And they've given me a lot to be honest. And I feel as though I, I think leaning into fandom is an interesting kind of practice. I think it's kind of fun and I think it's creepy and it feels really weird, but then you like do it and like, yeah, what, like we, you know, it ended and we were kind of like, that was really weird, but I don't think that there's, I didn't, I didn't mind leaning into the fandom because I do genuinely think that it's fun to see things play out like that. Like it was weird and cool to see it all in action. I just thought it was weird. It still makes me feel like weird and nauseous. And I think that it, it just makes me feel uncomfortable to, to watch without the reciprocation of being watched. Oh yeah, that makes sense. But when you watch the show, there's a, there's a safety because it's there's on the TV. There's a safety because they don't necessarily know that I'm watching them. Exactly. There's an anonymity. Well, I think it gets to a lot of people's, like, insecurity about watching reality TV, that it's, like, embarrassing or something. Yeah. I personally never felt that. I feel that all the time. Maybe that's a good place of ambiguity to, to end with. Yeah. Basically, like, we went to Zurich and it was really weird. It's funny. I feel like we started this out talking kind of being, like, almost like a YouTuber, being like, I went to this restaurant and this is how the steak tasted and, like, this is how the service was. Yeah. Like, I actually felt like I was an undercover restaurant critic at one point. But, like, you know, ultimately... That wasn't what we were there for, but it was, I did find those aspects of what makes the restaurant function and not function very interesting. And I I liked, for me, that was my favorite part was the real disconnect of like what the place meant and how the place felt and like what it felt like to be in this specific location that served as a set and that served as a restaurant and that was very much real and very much functioning in a real real-time thing but also served as a setting for all this kind of crazy show stuff yeah yeah no it's true it's true but yeah no it's confusing I'm glad that we went I actually don't feel I don't feel a need to go again no I don't ever need to go again
Because we've kind of done there. it. We've done it. We right, did no, it. Like, like I was saying, like, I could go, but I wouldn't yeah. go. Right. I mean, it's also just, like, not my scene. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, you know, thanks for, thanks for listening to our storytelling. Uh, we'll be back soon with, uh, with, with more of the same. Yes. We love you guys. Thanks yes. for listening. <laughs> Raise your glasses high. Raise your glasses high. These are the best days of our lives. Light up the sky, burn it up like a candle. When life gets harder, too hot to handle. All you need is love in the boombox to make this world rock and bump to the groove stop. We are young and we're free. Everything that we need is a moment to be Living under the street lights, getting all night.